Um, just to take a little bit further, what Jeff was talking about, it all ties in um, my message today. And when Tammy stood up here and started saying, you know, she felt like there's a lot of choices that need to be made. One of the choices that we need to make every single day is if you go back in the Old Testament in Joshua 24, Joshua challenged the people. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. You're either going to serve the gods on the other side of the sea, the gods of Egypt, or you're going to serve the living God that just brought you out of bondage, that broke the chains, that brought you into a land of freedom. We need to live in a land of freedom. A little higher? All right. How's that? Better, guys? Everybody happy? All right. Choosing this day whom you will serve? Okay. Um, first thing I want to do is I want to share a quote. Um, anybody ever heard of Robert Winthrop? He was a senator or a representative from the state of Massachusetts in the late 1830s. He was a contemporary of John Quincy Adams, Daniel Webster. So very influential in the beginning stages of this country after the independence. And his quote was, Men must be controlled by either a power within them or a power without them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or the bayonet. So the point of my message is, is, what are you going to allow yourself to be controlled by? Are you going to allow yourself to be controlled by the word of God? Choose this day whom you will serve. Or are you going to be controlled by the laws of man, the strong arm of man or the bayonet? Those are the choices that we've got to make every single day is, what are we going to allow to influence us? What are we going to allow to make us move forwards? One of the things that we constantly need to be on guard with is, um, you know, Jeff asked if I knew who Ann was, you know, my wife sitting back there 31 years. Um, we have to make a, a decision every single day to love each other. You know, if, if we have to choose each day that if we're going to serve God, we also have to make the decision, I'm going to love my wife every single day. And so this is something I'm going to speak to you guys for a moment. So you girls, ladies, do whatever you want. Talk amongst yourself, you know, go get some coffee. All right. What's next Sunday? Valentine's Day, okay? If that is the only day, guys, those of you that are married, have girlfriends, whatever, if Valentine's Day is the only day you tell her that you love her, that you buy her things, that you give her little gifts, leave her notes, you're not doing very good, okay? Take that as a scolding, guys. If that's the only day that you show your wife that you love her, you're missing it. You're actually starving her. And so Valentine's Day is next week, obviously, um, and one of the things with Valentine's Day that we talk about, it's, you know, it's matters of the heart, right? You know, you get the little box, the heart-shaped box of chocolates, and, you know, ladies, you may like that. But wouldn't it be much better, guys, if she had your heart? If she had a heart totally devoted to God, and a heart totally devoted to God, if my heart is totally devoted to God, it's so much easier to devote my heart to my wife. Okay? So, guys, that's your present that you need to be preparing for your wife, is that your heart is totally devoted to God, and in doing that, she's going to know you love her. Yes. So, okay, ladies, you can come back in and re-engage. <laughs> um, a couple weeks ago, we had Eric Hamilton up here sharing the Word of God. A little feedback, thank you. 
Wasn't I supposed to talk about Eric? <laughs> and the point of Eric's message was from 1 Kings chapter 18, and it was when um, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a battle, and they went up on Mount Carmel and had a you know, challenge, a throwdown, if you will. And when you get to the point where it was Elijah's turn to offer the sacrifice, if you look in verse 23 of 1 Kings 18, it says he had to repair the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Okay? So before he could offer sacrifices, which was the Old Testament way of repenting, of praising God, was you offered sacrifices on a stone altar. So obviously nobody had been offering sacrifices on that altar for a long time because he had to repair it before he could put the sacrifice on there. And so what I want you to think about is that's the Old Testament. You know, we refer to this thing as an altar sometimes, and you can come forwards and you can, you know, repent and you can praise God here. But where is the altar for us? You know, we're in the New Testament. We're under a new covenant. We don't have to build altars and put animal sacrifices on them. But we are still called to offer sacrifices to God, aren't we? Yes. To offer praise to Him. So where is the altar today? Okay, the heart. So... Referring back to 1 Kings 18, verse 23 there, is, is our heart in need of repair sometimes? Is our altar in need of repair? Okay. What kind of things can break down the altar of our heart? Okay. Sin? Unforgiveness? Lies? Betrayal? Abuses? Those are the kind of things that can break down the altar of your heart. And I mean, I was not raised in the church, so a lot of my references, a lot of things that God taught me are based on I was raised heathen. You know, lack of a better way to say it. Um, so I listened to a lot of secular music when I was younger, growing up through my high school years. And some of the songs, you know, they constantly talk about, you know, your heart being broken, heartaches, heavy heart, um, having a you know, a frozen heart, cold heart. I mean, there's all kinds of different ways that you can say it. When your heart isn't right, there's all kinds of different things that you can talk about it. And some of you that are my age, you know, may recognize a couple of these songs that were popular in the 70s and 80s. Um, heartache Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing on the heartbreak. You know, this is a little newer one. Achy, breaky heart. Anybody yeah. ever heard that one? <laughs> okay. Don't go breaking my heart. There's all kinds of songs out there that talk about the state of the heart. But the thing is, they don't have any answers because they don't know how the heart got broken in the first place or they don't understand it. So one other song I want to refer to is, this is a 70s song, and the song asks this question, how can you mend a broken heart? Okay, that may strike familiarity with a few of you already. And a couple of the lines from the song just show you how clueless or how desperate they are because they don't have the answers. The next line of the song is, how can you stop the rain from falling down? Anybody got an answer to that one? Okay. How can you stop the sun from shining? Is it possible? Is there anything we can do to make the stop the sun from shining? What makes the world go around? Okay. We all know the answers to each one of these things, right? And then how can you mend this broken man? Please help mend my broken heart and let me live again. Okay, that's the ending of the song. And so it's asking all kinds of questions, and each one of them, there is no answer. I can't stop the rain from falling. I mean, I can put an umbrella up, but does that stop the rain? It just keeps me from getting wet. Okay. How do you mend a broken heart? 
is the idea of that whole thing. There's two options. First off, you can you know, wall your heart off. You can get, make it a heart of stone so it doesn't ever get hurt. Anybody ever done that? That's how I grew up. Emotionless, no heart. But is that really living? Okay, it's existing. And has God called us to just exist? Or has he, as Jeff said, has he called us to live a life abundantly, a victorious life? And the only way we can do those things is through the love of Christ. So the other option in how to mend a broken heart, which I don't think the Bee Gees ever read the Bible when they wrote that song, is in verse, or Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So how do you heal a broken heart? You introduce them to Christ. Pretty simple, isn't it? Choose this day whom you will serve. Serve the one that wants to heal the brokenhearted. And how does he do that? You know, how does Jesus heal broken hearts? You know, we know it's the blood of the lamb, that the, the life is in the blood. But part of the repairing of your altar is forgiving those who have sinned against you. Forgiving those who have abused you, betrayed you, lied to you, whatever it is. Whatever the damage that was done to your heart by other people, you have to forgive them. Because in doing that, it brings healing to that broken heart. I also have to repent of my sins, of the abuses that I've done to other people, the lies I've told, the betrayals I've done, is if I do not repent of my sins, my heart is not made whole. And so it's all about applying the love of Christ, the very thing that he came for in Luke 4.18, was to mend, to heal the brokenhearted. And so if you're going around and you have a heartache, if you have something that's just you know, tugging on your heart, God may be trying to reveal there's unforgiveness in there. There's unrepentant sins that you need to let go of to become whole again. And so as we go on right now, what I want to do right now is put your hand over your heart. Okay, we're not going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> okay, but again, choose this day whom you will serve. And one of the scriptures that is off-quoted is that we are to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, body, and soul. Okay, so this thing that's beating right underneath your hands right now is, can you tell me what the condition of your heart is right now? Okay, is everybody's heart beating? Okay, good start, right? Okay, but this is a pretty important part of our physiology, of our being. You can put your hands down if you don't want to keep holding your heart. Um, but if you want to know what the condition of your physical heart is, you go to a cardiologist, right? Okay. You ask him to do an EKG, he'll check the blood flow, he'll check the blood supply, he'll check the electrical wiring in there, make sure everything's firing the way it's supposed to. And they can check the physical condition of your heart and give you some ideas on maybe what you need to do differently if there are some problems. But we're not called to be a physical being, right? We're called to be spirit. That's right. And so the important part of our heart is not the physical makeup of it. You know, you got the four chambers, the aorta coming out of there, the nodes and everything else going on there. That's how God created it, so it would pump blood throughout our body. But the important part of our heart is it's the seat of our emotions, it's the seat of our spirit, it's the thing that we consider this is where God lives, is in our heart. So how do you can check the condition of your emotional heart? Okay, again, go ahead and put your hands back up over your heart. How do you check the emotional condition of your heart? 
Okay? If you're married, ask your spouse. Am I angry at Ann all the time? Am I yelling at her all the time? That tells me, that, that tells her, there's something not right in my heart. Okay? So ask those around you, you know, your children. You know, ask your children, Jeff, Ella, how's your dad? Don't answer that. <laughs> put, put you on the spot. But, you know, if you've got children, ask your children, what's the emotional state of my heart? They, they won't lie to you. <laughs> but in the spirit, how do you check the spiritual condition of your heart? Because, again, that's the important part of us, is the spiritual portion of our being, our heart. So, who created your heart? So do you think maybe we should ask God what's the condition of our spiritual heart? Yeah. Okay. And this is only for the brave. If you have your Bibles, turn to chat. Psalm 139, please. And again, like I said, this is only for the brave that really want to find out what God has to say about you. And in verse 23, it says, Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So if you want to know what the spiritual condition of your heart is, ask the one that created it. Ask the one that's filled it with his Son and the Holy Spirit. Ask him if there's any evil way, if there's any wicked way. Um, a lot of the different translations, one of the things that um, somebody pointed out to me is, reveal to me if there's any way of pain in my heart. There's so many things that you can use that verse for, but the bottom line is, if you're serious about wanting to know if there's still any unforgiveness, any unrepentant sins in your heart, is ask the Creator. Ask Him, is there any evil? Is there any wicked? Is there any offensive ways in my heart? Because if there are, they're holding you down. They're not allowing you to give a full expression of the love that Christ has given to you, the freedom. One of the songs we're talking about is that the freedom that we have in Christ is going to be subdued. It's going to be held back a little bit if we don't fully allow our heart to be healed. You know, how do you mend that broken heart? You ask the Creator to reveal if there's anything in you that needs to be removed, repented of. So the heart is a vital portion of us, and it's so important. Again, if we just look back at the physical heart, you know, this thing sitting in here, how important is your heart to your existence today? Anybody want to try having theirs taken out and see how long they live? <laughs> okay. I'm sure we can find a couple saws and you know, do a little handiwork here. Okay. But the, the purpose of the heart is to pump the blood to every cell in your body. Okay. Bringing the oxygen, the nutrients, removing the waste from the cells that are there. And so the heart's function is to pump the life-giving blood to you. Okay? So it's got a pretty important part in your everyday life. And so God chose to protect it. You know, you put the ribs, sternum, scapula back there. So your heart is encased literally in a bony cage to protect you, to protect your heart, because God knows it's pretty important to your everyday function, is that you're not going to be able to go and testify of the good things he's done in your life if your heart's not functioning. Okay? So he chose to protect it in a very unique way, bony, flexible cage here, so that you can still breathe. But he protected it because he knew the importance of it. And so that brings me to the, you know, the important point, the crux of the matter is the emotional heart, the spiritual heart, same general area right there. Okay? How do you protect it? Okay? 
Obviously, it's important to our existence. You know, one of the scriptures that I'll refer to in just a little bit, Luke 6, 45 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what comes out of your mouth is influenced by what's in your heart. So if you've got unrepentance, unforgiveness in your heart, the bitterness, the damage that that's doing to you is also going to come out of your mouth. Everybody awake? Again, turn to Proverbs. Flip to your right a little bit. Proverbs chapter 4. <laughs> and sometimes it speaks loudly. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. This is the, the, the meat of my message right here. It is Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Um, another translation says, guard your heart. And that's what I want you to be thinking about, is how do you guard your heart? You know, God's already done a good job of guarding the physical heart by encasing it you know, in a bony cage. But what about the emotional and the spiritual heart that we have? How do we protect that? How do you guard your physical or your emotional, spiritual heart? That's a huge part of it right there, is spending time with God. And so... You know, spending time with God, being diligent, being vigilant about guarding your heart is activity. It's not something that just happens. You know, God doesn't just snap his fingers and say, I'm guarding your heart. We have to take part in it. We have to be in the Word. We have to spend time with the Father so that we're building up the strength that he wants to give us. And so if you'd bring up that slide, Mark. Okay, everybody see that? Hey. A worn-out Bible, okay, but more importantly, look at what's at the bottom. Okay, what is it? Okay, it's a musket ball. And over the years, different history um, texts that I've read and perused, is every now and then you'll come across a, you know, a very inspiring story of a young man, young woman even, that's in battle, and they get shot, get knocked down, get bruised pretty badly, but they survive it. And... You know, I have my, there's no bullets in this one. But it was very common for soldiers to carry Bibles in their breast pocket. And this one right here, according to the information I was able to see on this one, this was a Civil, era, Civil War era Bible that a man was carrying. I think he was at Antietam is what the thing said. Antietam, Maryland, the battle there. And he got shot by this musket. And the word of God protected his heart. It guarded his heart. And as I was doing you know, research and looking at other pictures and that, I found you know, a myriad pictures of similar things like that. Bibles with bullets in them that stopped the bullet from killing the person. Okay? So how do you guard your heart? The Word of God. Okay, again, this is you know, obviously a very you know, good demonstration of you know, how God's Word literally saved these people's lives. And I mean... We can also bring in that sometimes pocket watches have done it, cigarette tins, you know, that same thing's placed there that they say, you know, cigarettes do not save your life, <laughs> okay? May have saved one person because of the cigarette tin. But the thing I want to keep pointing to here with this is it's the Word of God that we have to have to guard our hearts, okay? And so there's a number of different ways that the Word of God can help you guard your heart. Um, bring up Ephesians 6.14, please. Um, everybody's familiar with Ephesians chapter 6, that it's the armor of God. 
and we're told to every day put on the armor of God and all the different pieces that it you know, is made up of. But the most important part that I want to talk about today is to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay? And obviously the breastplate of righteousness, if you've ever seen some armor, you know, putting the breastplate on, it protects this area. You know, the vital organs, especially the heart. And so every morning, again, I suggest obviously in the morning, starting out your day, put on the armor of God, which includes the breastplate of righteousness. righteousness. And it's not my righteousness that I'm putting on. It's Christ's righteousness, because my righteousness, as it says in the Old Testament, is as filthy rags. It's no good. But it's Christ's righteousness that I'm putting on, and that's what protects my heart. That's what keeps me centered on who I am and what I need to be doing through the course of the day. Um, another way to protect your heart or guard your heart is in Job 31, verse 1. And we all know that the eyes, the senses, are their ways into our spirit, their ways into our soul. And so in Job chapter 31, and you remember you know, all the things that Job went through, all the things he lost, and he said one of the things that he had to do is he said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. Okay. So how do you guard your heart? Is you make a covenant with your eyes that I will not look lustfully on a woman. Again, women obviously, as a, you know, obviously can turn that around. But to protect and to guard my heart, I have to make a covenant with my eyes that I will not allow any unrighteous things into my sight. Okay, that I will not, you know, David's sin with Bathsheba was not that he saw her. You know, he was up on the palace roof, just happened to look down and see her bathing. Okay, that's going to happen. You're going to, I mean, that's not normal anymore, but. <laughs> yeah. But to see something of a, you know, a woman like that, it, it, it will happen. But David's sin is that he continued looking. And then he bade her to come to him. And so the, you know, the original vision of him seeing her is he had not made a covenant with his eyes to not look lustfully upon that woman. And so he continued on, and that's when sin was born and murder occurred and the deceit and all the things that followed with it. So make a covenant with your eyes that you will not look on anything unholy. You know, let's take it even further than just to look lustfully at a woman. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So don't allow your mind to wander about anything unholy. That I'm going to think about something, and if it does not line up with the love of Christ, take it captive and cast it out. Because the things that you think are also going to influence your heart. So you want to be thinking on things that are pure, just, holy, righteous. And then, again, important one to finish off this section of ways to guard your heart is back into the Psalms. Chapter 119. And verse 11. Your word have I hid in my heart. Pretty simple. David saying, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay. So how do you guard your heart? Is you keep the word of God in your heart. You keep it close to your heart. You spend time meditating on it. You spend time asking God for you know, deeper revelation of what does that scripture mean? What is, how do I apply it to my life? And that's what we're doing this morning is how do you guard your heart? 
is you apply what the Word of God says. You make a covenant with your eyes. You take every thought captive. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You do all the things that we're commanded to do because God loves us and wants us to remain pure and holy as He is holy. And so, I have hidden the Word in my heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? Um, I want to share another story from you. This one, especially those of you that have been in the ISIM classes, you've heard this story before, but I've actually learned more about it. it is, the story goes back into the 1920s in Russia, small village in Russia, and a young boy hears that the local priest is offering candy to the kids if they'll memorize scripture. Okay? I mean, we don't have too many young ones left in here. But is that enticing to anybody? Is we'll give you a box of chocolates if you memorize scripture. Okay? Guys, pretty good deal. Then you got your box of chocolate to give to your wife next week. Okay? But this young man took this, you know, bribe very seriously. And he got to the point, they say, that he actually was able to recite Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All because he wanted candy. Okay? This young man grew up to be Nikita Khrushchev. Okay, butcher of the Ukraine, Russian premier after Stalin, closed down more Christian churches than Stalin even did. So even though he could recite the four Gospels, did it impact his heart? No. I'm going to say absolutely not. He would not have grown into the man that he was if he had been able to get what he had memorized down here. So knowing the Word of God is a good start, being able to memorize it, to recite it, but if it doesn't get down into your heart, it's not going to impact the decisions you make. It's not going to influence the things that come out of your mouth. So you've got to take the Word of God and get it in here. Guard your heart with the Word of God. There's two more things that I want to share with you on how to guard your heart. And these are probably the paramount things. Is We talked about the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, making the covenant with your eyes, take every thought captive, and then hide His Word in your heart. There's many other things that we would go through, other ways to guard your heart. But the, other, the fifth one that I want to leave with you is to ha have only room in your heart for one God. Because right. our God's a jealous God, right? He does not want us worshiping anybody, anything else. He wants to be Jehovah God in our lives. So there is no room in this heart for anybody but Jehovah. And so, whatever the God is that may be in your life, you know, Joshua said all the gods that they worshipped on the other side of, you know, the, the sea, cast them out. Get rid of them. Don't lean on them anymore. Sports, money, your job. My wife can be an idol. She can be a God if I only want to serve her and make everything in her life better than it is. But if I'm not serving God with my whole heart, it's misdirected. So there's only room in my heart for one God. And so whatever other gods you may have in your heart, you need to cast them out and make room for God, Je Jehovah. Okay. And then same, same vein, there's only room in my heart for one woman. Okay, Men, there's only room in your heart for one woman. 
Okay, I'm not saying you know, if you have female children, that's different. But there is only room in your heart for one wife, for one spouse. You cannot have any others that are in your heart to the level of what the wife should be. So guard your heart. Um, go ahead and bring that last slide up. And this is a children's song. I'm sure if we started singing it, which I will not do, is every one of you will know the song. And it's be careful, little eyes, what you see. Yeah. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. And be careful, little feet, where you go. This is a children's song, but the power of it, in a way, is to guard your heart. It's right there. So we teach things like this to our children, or we should, but do we still continue to obey them as we get to be adults? And one of the verses that you know, comes in later is, be careful, little heart, whom you trust. Okay. Who should we trust? The one that created us. The one that gave us a Savior so that we could be brought out of the bondage of our sins. Who gave us an opportunity to become part of his family. Because being a part of the family of God is something that not everybody does. Some people choose not to. They say, I, you know, I don't want that. You know, and as we're sitting here this morning, I was thinking, you know, how is that possible that anybody would want to reject the love of you know, Jesus Christ? But people do it every day. So again, the same, choose this day whom you'll serve. Choose who you allow into your heart. Because if you're not allowing the love of Christ to be the preeminent thing in your heart, Everything else in your life is not as valuable as it could be. Because the love of Christ is preeminent in my heart, it makes my life, wife's life much better. Because I want opportunities to serve her. I want opportunities to show her that I love her because of what Christ has done for me. So do I still need to forgive her? Not very often. <laughs> do I need to repent? Yes. It's a constant day-after-day day thing that we, until we arrive to the fullness of Christ, we still got work to do. We still have to be constantly asking God, search my heart, O God, and see today, have I done anything today that has offended you, that has caused me to sin against you? And if he reveals it to you, it's not because he's trying to be you know, mean or he's answering your prayer. You know, A loving father disciplines his children because he loves them and wants to have them set on a you know, a narrow way because the way to everlasting life is narrow. And it's only through Christ. So guard your hearts. Don't allow the cares of the world, the, the normal things of the world, to dictate what you do and how you act. It all needs to come from the Word of God. So hide it in your heart. Protect your heart. Guard your heart with the Word of God every single day. And then the, the fruits will be evident. So, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you've chosen to call us out of the darkness. And we know we don't deserve the salvation that you've given us, but that's where the gift comes in, is that you loved us even before we loved you and even before we loved ourselves. That you gave us Christ and you've given us the opportunity to serve you out for the rest of our days, whatever number that may be that we come to you humbly and say, Lord, use us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.